Discover a career that matters at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Be part of an innovative team delivering world-class health care and benefits to America's veterans. Enjoy robust benefits, work-life balance, and career development opportunities. Join a diverse and inclusive community that values your unique background and skills, a community where nearly one in three of your colleagues are veterans themselves. Apply now at vacareers.va.gov. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. That's Louis Prima singing the novelty song, Yes, We Have No Bananas, in 1949. The song was actually written in 1923, a century ago, and was so popular, a million copies of its sheet music sold in a matter of months. As Variety wrote, its success is unexplainable, although the title as a catch line may be a cause. We have no bananas today. That title came from a phrase supposedly uttered by a Greek grocer at a Long Island fruit stand. Some believe the song was inspired by an actual banana shortage. Regardless, the song was such a craze that demand for the fruit skyrocketed, causing actual runs on bananas. And now it might surprise you that the banana that everyone was going ape for at the time was not the banana you find at your local grocery store today. This was an entirely different variety of banana, one that dominated the U.S. market for decades in the late 19th and first half of the 20th centuries. Its name? The Gros Michel, French for Big Mike. For many, this was the only banana they would ever know, and it was delicious. The Gros Michel has a nicer taste, a more banana-y taste. It is better than the banana we eat now. When the Gros Michel had to be replaced, banana companies weren't sure the new banana, the one we eat today, which is known as the Cavendish, would even be accepted. When the switch had to happen, they were like, no housewife is going to buy these because they just don't taste as good. So what happened to this beloved banana? We'll explain. And along the way, take a look back at some other forgotten foods. And I'll chat with Broadway legend Andre DeShields about his special banana memories. And that's what you want fruit to be. You want it to change your default consciousness. Otherwise, why eat it? And yes, there will be singing. We've string beans and onions and big juicy lemons and all sorts of fruit and say... 
from CBS Sunday Morning and iHeart. I'm Mo Rocca, and this is Mobituaries. This Mobit, the Gromy Shell, Death of a Banana. The sound of mourning. Actually, it's this sound that means mourning to me. The dulcet tones of frozen bananas getting ground up. That's pretty much the only way I consume bananas these days, in a blender with some other ingredients. To me, a banana is simply a potassium delivery system, too boring to eat on its own. Which is why I was fascinated to learn that this wasn't always the case that my grandparents enjoyed much better bananas. So how did we get here to these blah-nanas? I never intended to be sort of the world expert on any particular topic, let alone bananas, but I have come to um, not just accept it, but embrace it. That's Dan Capel, the author of Banana, The Fate of the Fruit That Changed the World. He's researched and traveled the world, learning everything there is to know about bananas. Bananas were the very first cultivated fruit. And so we're talking 10,000 or more years that bananas have been part of the human diet and the human story, actually. But in terms of bananas being available to people who don't live in places where bananas can grow, um, that's less than 150 years. The earliest bananas grew in the wild in Southeast Asia and then spread to other parts of the world. Spanish and Portuguese explorers and missionaries brought bananas to the New World in the 1500s, where the fruit would flourish in the Caribbean and Central America. The banana made its splashy U.S. debut at the Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia in 1876, the event marking the 100th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence introduced its nearly 10 million visitors to all sorts of innovations. Heinz ketchup, a steam-powered monorail, a suitcase that turned into a bathtub, really, and Alexander Graham Bell's invention of a little something called the telephone. Which is funny because as a child, I'm sure I tried to talk into a banana. But the banana plant in the exhibition's horticultural hall was reportedly such a sensation that a guard had to be put on lookout to prevent visitors from trying to grab a souvenir. Had people seen pictures of it before or did it just come as a surprise, this thing from almost like outer space? I I think the exhibition probably made the banana more real to people. These exhibitions captured people's imaginations, especially the imaginations of some entrepreneurs who then started looking at ways to bring bananas to the U.S. Those entrepreneurs began scouting tropical regions where bananas flourished. And while there were a number of varieties to choose from, sellers seized on the Gromichel banana. First grown on the Caribbean island of Martinique in the 1830s, then in Jamaica, the Gromi shell had spread throughout the Caribbean and Central America, and it became top banana in the U.S., largely for one reason. The most important thing is that it's going to survive shipping. If it doesn't survive shipping, nothing else matters. And the Gromi shell survives shipping better than any other banana because of its tough skin and, and its slow ripening characteristics. And so... 
that was the one they were going to make their money on. Another benefit? Every banana in the bunch, or finger in the hand if we're using proper terminology here, was exactly the same. Okay, quick banana biology lesson. You've probably noticed that the bananas you eat don't have seeds. Those little black circles you might see are vestigial seeds, remnants of an early species of banana. No seeds means bananas reproduce by a transplanting a piece of one plant, known as a sucker, to start growing another. They're basically clones. This means that most every banana we eat is genetically identical, tasting exactly the same, but also equally vulnerable. With every major company growing and selling the Gromichel and only the Gromichel, the banana industry established what's called a monoculture, growing only one variety of a single crop. It would prove to be a dangerous gambit. After settling on the Gromichel, the entrepreneurs needed to figure out how to bring these bananas in mass quantities to the United States. One of the first major companies to figure this out was United Fruit, which would later become Chiquita. The company devised an innovative solution, refrigerated shipping. This is not in the days of ubiquitous refrigeration. These banana ships had ice in them, tons and tons of ice that were put in these holes, and there were these elaborate ventilation systems into the cargo holes that would direct the cold towards them. The ships were painted white to keep them cool. Those refrigerated ships, each of which could carry up to a half million bananas, would become known as the Great White Fleet, eventually the largest private navy in the world. But there were still a few hurdles for the banana business, namely getting consumers to accept the product. For many of the prim and proper women of the Victorian era, eating a banana was simply too risque, given the fruit's suggestive shape. Many chose to slice or cut up their bananas and hide them in foil. To dispel the notion that banana eating was shameful, postcards were distributed showing perfectly respectable ladies delicately consuming the fruit out in the open. I have a few of them of these very proper Victorian ladies holding bananas, eating bananas. Um, they're weird. <laughs> how, are they but... how are they holding them that's not suggestive? They're holding them like they're at picnics and, you know, they're eating them peeled um, with the peel hanging down on their hands instead of cut up. Um, and they're very proper. As inhibitions faded. That consumer had to be educated. Then they had to be seduced because they had, to, I mean, knowing about it isn't enough. You have to want it. And then they had to be taught how to eat them and keep them. The banana was so foreign to so many, including immigrants at Ellis Island, who were often given a banana as their first taste of America, that newspapers had to explain how to let them ripen and how to peel them. People also needed to be sold on the health benefits. United Fruit started using innovative tactics, like getting doctors to endorse bananas as a great source of nutrition for babies. And after partnering up with another new food on the market, cornflakes, the banana companies helped revolutionize the consumer experience. They came up with what was basically the first supermarket coupon. And the banana companies basically say, we're going to offer a deal. If you buy milk, cornflakes, and bananas, you'll get a refund or a coupon for the milk for free. Really smart because the banana companies didn't pay for it. They convinced the milk companies to pay for it, but it was the banana company's idea. 
It all worked. Bananas went mainstream. No longer considered an exotic luxury item, bananas were everywhere, and they were cheap, becoming known as the poor man's fruit. With ubiquity came good and bad. The good? Clever inventions like the banana split. Just don't ask where it originated. Several towns take credit. And the bad? That pesky banana peel, which was becoming a hazard on city streets. A New York Times article from 1884 notes that a wealthy merchant aged 75 slipped on a banana peel while coming home from church and broke his leg. Quote, he is not expected to recover. The creation of the New York City Sanitation Department was absolutely a reaction to the ubiquity of banana peels. And these uniformed sanitation men were sent through the city to help solve this hazard. The police were also on the case. In 1896, Theodore Roosevelt, then commissioner of the New York City Police Department, warned his men of banana peels and their, quote, tendency to toss people into the air and bring them down with terrific force on the hard pavement. But rather than slip in popularity, bananas continued on their way to becoming the dominant fruit in America. In the early 1900s, consumption nearly tripled from 15 million bunches sold to over 40 million, outselling apples and oranges. And by the 1920s, bananas were firmly entrenched in popular culture and even in language. The flapper slang term banana oil translated to nonsense. When he tells you, I adore you, that's banana oil. And she answers, I'll die for you, that's banana oil. Just a few years later, George and Ira Gershwin would have a hit with But Not For Me, using bananas to mean just plain crazy. I never want to hear from any cheerful Pollyannas. Who tell you fate supplies a mate? It's all banana. Silent film stars like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin turned that dastardly banana peel into a classic comedy gag. And Yes, We Have No Bananas even got a sequel song sung here by an exasperated Eddie Cantor. Bananas, and specifically Gros Michel bananas, were here to stay. Or so people thought. Coming up, a Gros Michel taste test with Broadway superstar Andre de Shields. But first, a mobituary tribute to another popular food of the past. It's been called America's Forgotten Fruit. I'm talking, of course, about the pawpaw. Large, oblong, and misshapen on the outside, a fruit that only a mother could love, with a custardy flesh and nickel-sized seeds on the inside, the pawpaw tastes like a cross between a mango and a banana. Found in at least 26 states, the pawpaw was a staple of many Native American diets, a favorite dessert of George Washington, served chilled apparently, and eaten by Lewis and Clark and their men on their expedition. The fruit was even the subject of a song, sung here by Burl Ives. Where oh where is dear little Susie? Where oh where is dear little Susie? Where oh where is dear little Susie? Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. So why did the pawpaw go bye-bye? 
Much of it has to do with the fact that it ripens quickly and doesn't ship well, so you're not going to find it at the modern-day supermarket. You have to forage for it. And really, who has the time? Also, it's a little messy to eat. A 1922 New York Times article notes a woman could not eat a pawpaw in front of her lover because, quote, the sight is disgusting to the point of utter disillusion. Oof. Still, pawpaws are out there. You just need to find them. Perhaps they're ripe for a comeback. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reuse hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. That's the legendary Andre de Shields playing the wizard in the 1975 Broadway musical The Wiz. Andre has been electrifying audiences for decades. You either get the hell or the hate as Tom. and finally won his first Tony Award for Hadestown in 2019 at age 73. Baltimore, Maryland, are you in the house? I am making good on my promise that I would come to New York and become someone you'd be proud to call your native son. Were bananas a luxury growing up? I grew up in a food desert. There was hardly anything that was considered produce. And even if it were, it wouldn't have been fresh. You look at it and you think, oh, I shouldn't eat this. 
But that's the banana that we were able to buy in our neighborhood. But as he ventured out in the world, Andre became a banana expert of sorts. A banana is more easily peeled if you do it from its black tip as opposed to the green stem. So pull off the black tip and eat it. I've never done that. Then peel the banana. You're not wasting any part of this banana. I told you, it was serendipitous when you asked Andre DeShields <laughs> to come on your podcast and talk about the banana. Andre DePeels. Right. <laughs> Back in the 1960s, he even participated in one of the more trippy banana fads. Eat the banana, throw the peels into an oven. Once they're baked, the fiber on the inside becomes a lovely substitute for marijuana. Are you serious? I am serious. So yeah. you you were smoking banana peels? Yeah. Not the peel itself, but the fiber on the inside. <gasps> now, Andre wasn't the only one doing this. A number of newspapers and magazines at the time shared stories on the popular trend, as well as recipes. A smoked banana peel recipe was featured in the notorious anarchist cookbook. And many people also believed that the 1967 hit song Mellow Yellow was about smoking banana peels. Electric banana is gonna be a sudden grace. In fact, the song wasn't about that. What's more, researchers and the FDA would investigate and determine that banana peels had no hallucinogenic properties. But it made for some good stories and probably some fun parties. Regardless, Andre is someone who knows a good banana. And with so many banana varieties grown around the world, he's tasted more than a few in his travels. He told me about a transformative experience he had while touring the United Arab Emirates in 2008. It was a banana that kicked butt, mm. knocked me out. It was intoxicating. And that's what you want fruit to be. You want it to change your default consciousness. Otherwise, why eat it? And when I ate it, it tasted like a solid version of a creamsicle. Mm. Okay? Like candy almost. Yeah. Ice cream, a dessert. A dessert. A dessert. Exactly. It made me feel like I needed to repent. It was a guilty pleasure. Right. It was a guilty pleasure. And, I, you know, to have a banana do that to you is so surprising. We have become accustomed to a bland, utilitarian banana. Exactly. The banana that Andre ate in the UAE might well have been a variety similar to the blue java or ice cream banana grown in Asia, Australia, and Hawaii, said to have a creamy texture like vanilla ice cream or custard. Mm. You see, there are other more exotic varieties of bananas out there. In fact, there are still gromy-shell bananas being grown on small-lot farms. We acquired some from a specialty grower in Miami for a taste test on this very podcast with Andre DeShields. Would he find it as exciting as legend has it? For the sake of comparison, we started with today's banana, the Cavendish. This is the one you buy at your local supermarket, and exciting it is not. Okay, so we're going to take a bite. I'm ready when you are. 
this is your traditional taste of a banana that you would slice on to your cereal. There's nothing intense about this flavor. If this banana were a personality, what would that personality be? The one we just tasted? Yeah. The BBC News. The BBC News banana, (laughs) which is dependable, reliable, but... But what? Devoid of emotion. Mm. Right. No razzle-dazzle with that. upper lip. And then it was time. Time to taste the Gromy Shell. Now, here we go. Okay, it's time. It's time. Et voila. What do you think? It's a richer taste. It tastes definitely like it's come from the earth. This banana, the Gros Michel, had a little more maturity to it. It was slightly sexier. I wanted to chew it more slowly. I wanted to roll it around in my mouth. It had a few more tones. Mm. Earthier, more mature, sexier. Who wouldn't want a Gromy shell? People today don't know that they have settled for a lesser banana, do they? I think people do understand that. But in terms of present-day America, that's the deal. We want to take it home. We want to leave it on the counter for a few days. We want to forget about it. And then we'll go back and we want it to look exactly like it was when we bought it. Or we're not going to eat it. Andre de Shields is a performer par excellence. He can sing. He can dance. He can wax poetic about bananas. So at the end of our conversation, I had one final request. I was praying that Tony... Emmy and Grammy Award-winning Andre DeShields would indulge my desire to sing Yes, We Have No Bananas, a short version of it. Indulging. (laughs) Oh, yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. We've string beans and onions And big juicy lemons And all sorts of fruit and say We have an old-fashioned tomato A Long Island potato But yes, we have no bananas We have no bananas We've got no bananas We have no Come on. Hats off to Peggy Lee. Why Peggy Lee? If that's all there is, just keep dancing. Up next, the demise of the Gromy Shell. But first, another mobituary tribute to a forgotten food. It was 1969, and NASA was preparing to send the first men to the moon. Of course, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins would have to eat when they were in space. They couldn't just drink Tang. So NASA teamed up with Pillsbury to create some innovative products, one of which was a rod-shaped food designed for the astronauts to easily consume in their spacesuits. Enter the Space Food Stick. 
With the American public going space crazy, Pillsbury decided to create a commercial version. Today, the United States is engaged in a gigantic effort to send men to the moon. For this effort, Pillsbury has developed many special foods. Here is the first one to be made available to the public. Marketed as a new idea in snack foods, space food sticks came wrapped in shiny foil to give that space-age appearance, and perhaps to jazz up the fact that the product kind of looked like a wooden dowel. The sticks came in flavors like chocolate, caramel, and peanut butter. Ads proclaimed that the sticks were only about 44 calories, but they nourish like a major meal. But just two years after space food sticks hit the market, the novelty had worn off. Pillsbury decided to remove the word space from the name, and consumers seemed even less interested in buying food sticks. The product would eventually be discontinued. Space food sticks are long gone, but are now hailed as a forerunner to today's energy bars. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for snack food. At your grocer's next to the instant breakfast section. Space food sticks, the energy snack from U.S. Aerospace Research and Pillsbury. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. That's Harry Belafonte singing Deo, also known as the Banana Boat Song. The tune was adapted from a Jamaican folk song believed to be sung by dock workers in the early 1900s as they worked overnight to pack bananas onto ships. 
While the beloved song is fun to sing, it's ultimately about a serious struggle, one that many people were facing as bananas became big business. The business model of bananas is to sell them for half the price of apples and oranges. That's banana author Dan Capel again. How do they do it? They do it by limiting the costs that they had control over. And those two costs were land and labor. And to get land, they would come up with these deals where basically the banana entrepreneurs owned all this land. And then to get labor, they exploited people. There's no other way to put it. By the beginning of the 20th century, the United Fruit Company owned land, employed thousands, and controlled railroads and utilities throughout much of Latin America and the Caribbean. The rapid acquisition of geographical and political control led to the company's nickname, El Pulpo, the octopus. Banana workers became pawns of United Fruit and its competitor, Standard Fruit, later known as Dole. The companies seemed to stop at nothing to get bananas harvested and shipped to the United States. The Central American nations that produced bananas for United Fruit and others became known as banana republics. Yes, I know you might be thinking of that place where you buy khakis, but the origin of the term is far darker. Coined by author O. Henry, it came to mean governments essentially controlled by these banana companies to the detriment of the people who actually lived there. They would install friendly governments. The workers had no rights. It was tragic and horrible. And this is the paradox of the banana. The fruit that we love so much comes with a very, very bloody cost that is mostly unknown and hidden to the average consumer then and now. Strikes, riots, and demands for better wages became common, but they were tamped down, often violently. In 1928, the Colombian military put an end to a strike in the town of Cienega by opening fire on demonstrating United Fruit banana workers in what became known as the Banana Massacre, an event that would later be incorporated into the Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel, 100 Years of Solitude. The death toll, by some estimates, was as high as 2,000. Another dramatic intervention happened several decades later in 1954 in the form of a coup in Guatemala to oust the democratically elected president, Jacobo Arbenz. He has campaigned on banana workers' rights. He's been very careful. He has not asked for a lot. He's asked for some basic stuff, increases in pay. He's asked for some land back, but the banana companies can't abide this. And at this point in 1954, the banana companies are deeply, deeply involved in the United States government. So they have a lot of pull. At the time, United Fruit controlled 42 percent of Guatemala's land. So Arbenz's plans for agrarian reform were unacceptable to the company. United Fruit launched a public relations campaign to convince the U.S. government and the public that Arbenz was a communist and that Guatemala was a Soviet satellite state in the making. They commissioned so-called studies on the situation lobbied newspapers to convey their preferred narrative, and eventually put out a short film entitled Why the Kremlin Hates Bananas. And therefore, the agents of international communism have selected the United Fruit Company as a prime target of attack. Remember, this was the 1950s and the height of the Red Scare. 
And while Guatemalan President Arbenz did have some communists in his coalition, there is no evidence that he himself was one, much less working in concert with the Soviets. His idol was said to be FDR, and many of his social reforms were patterned after the New Deal. Nonetheless, President Eisenhower was convinced that the Arbenz government posed a threat and authorized the CIA to oust him. A coup was put into motion using radio propaganda, bombing raids, and a small band of Guatemalan exiles and Central American mercenaries. This results in the brutal overthrow of of the Guatemalan government and the chaos that comes after that. Once Arbenz is deposed, he's humiliated, he's stripped naked, forced to flee to Mexico, and Guatemala never really recovers from that for 40 or 50 years. Meanwhile, on the home front, United Fruit continued to win hearts and minds, providing books and pamphlets to schools on the value of bananas. You might call it bananaganda. And making movies like Journey to Banana Land. Today, fast white steamships travel across the Caribbean with cargoes more valuable than pirates' gold. And officers in trim white uniforms pick up their golden cargoes from a place we call Banana Land. The film goes inside Central American countries, where everyone is hard at work, but also happy, of course, as bananas are harvested. As the plant bends, the bunch comes down on the shoulder of another man who is called a backer. Each bunch weighs from 50 to 75 pounds. United Fruit wanted people to buy their bananas and their bananas only, and a few years earlier had come up with a way to get brand recognition in the form of a certain cartoon character with a memorable jingle. I'm Chiquita Banana and I've come to say Bananas have to ripen in a certain way And when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue Bananas taste the best and are the best for you Animated spokesbanana Miss Chiquita was an instant hit. Any way you want to eat them, it's impossible to beat them. But bananas like the climate of the very, very tropical equator. So you should never put bananas in the refrigerator. Sidebar, with all due respect to Miss Chiquita, her parent company now notes, it is okay to put bananas in the refrigerator after they've ripened. It'll keep them fresh just a little longer. The animated banana with a bowl of fruit on her head was modeled after movie star Carmen Miranda, known as the Brazilian bombshell, who had shimmied and sambaed her way to box office gold in the 1940s, at one point becoming the highest paid actress in Hollywood. I wonder why does everybody look at me and then begin to talk about the Christmas tree. I hope that means that everyone is glad to see the lady in the tutti-frutti hat. Carmen Miranda played on the stereotype of the fiery-tempered and lustful Latin American woman, but her talent was undeniable. Her Lady in the Tutti Frutti hat number in the 1943 film The Gang's All Here is a banana extravaganza as dancers wave giant bananas around. The New York Times review of the film did note that the dance numbers, quote, seem to stem straight from Freud. They weren't wrong. Carmen Miranda was inextricably tied to the banana, as she would often remind. But don't forget, people, I make my money to bananas. You know that. I make my money to bananas. 
There was lots of money being made with bananas for Carmen Miranda, United Fruit, and others. But time was running out for the Gros Michel. Trouble had been brewing since the early 1900s when bananas in Panama were infected by a fungus. So it's named Panama disease. And this fungus not only destroys banana plantations very quickly, but fouls the soil in a way that the bananas cannot grow there pretty much ever again. And remember that banana biology lesson from earlier? The fact that each Gromichel banana was essentially a clone of every other Gromichel banana meant that if one banana were in danger, they all were. When Panama disease first hit, companies tried to outrun it, moving to different fields, starting over. But the disease was spreading fast, and thousands of acres of land had to be abandoned. It spread to Nicaragua, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Honduras. So you have this insane situation. Demand is increasing. You need to keep prices low. But land is getting more difficult to find because of this disease. Finally, after decades of battling Panama disease, the banana companies had to face facts. The Gros Michel as a mass market banana was doomed. They needed to find another variety. Changing the whole industry to another banana, um, which is a huge logistical issue, becomes sort of the worst choice to the sort of hidebound, entrenched banana barons. They don't want to do the that. The longer you wait, it's the only choice, right? Right. And so it's Dole that begins experimenting with a replacement for the Gros Michel. Um, and it experiments with a whole bunch of them. And Cavendish is one of them. The Cavendish began to replace the Gros Michel in the late 1950s. Now, as I've made clear, I find the Cavendish to be a boring banana. If you heard our season one episode on sitcom deaths and disappearances, you may remember the story of the two Darrens from Bewitched, two actors in the same role, the second one far less memorable than the first. You know where this is going. The Cavendish is the second Darren of bananas. There, I've said it. It's also smaller than the Gros Michel, and it bruises more easily. But it wasn't as susceptible to Panama disease. Would Americans accept this new, lesser banana? There were concerns. But as Dan Capel says, they ultimately didn't matter. Maybe it's the beginning of the age of fast food. Maybe the American palate is not so sophisticated. The transition went fairly smoothly. I think there were very few people who sort of saw this new banana and recognized it as a new banana or even tasted it and said, you know, this doesn't taste right. It's not as good as the other one. By the 1960s, the transition was complete. Big Banana sold their final Gros Michels in 1965. In the years since, we've all come to tolerate, if not embrace, the Cavendish. But the Cavendish itself is also in danger, vulnerable to a number of diseases. And it's entirely possible that, yes, we have no bananas, could become our reality if the Cavendish goes the way of the Gros Michel. If you were to eulogize the Gros Michel, what might you say? I would say it's nice to eulogize the Gros Michel, and it clearly deserves eulogizing. But there are good bananas out there, other bananas that are even better. And the idea that we should just give up and just accept this mediocre banana um, and lament the better banana that's lost does not have to be the future of the banana. We can get those great bananas. 
You're a banana optimist. <laughs> I am. I am the ultimate banana optimist. We leave you now with Broadway superstar Andre de Shields singing the Chiquita Banana song. I'm Chiquita Banana and I'm here to say Put banana on your cereal like this today you love it for breakfast or at any time No matter when you eat it, those bananas taste fine <laughs> We're going to issue that as its own single <laughs> I hope you savored this mobituary. May I ask you to please rate and review our podcast? You can also follow Mobituaries on Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at Moraka. Hear all new episodes of Mobituaries every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out Mobituaries' Great Lives Worth Reliving, the New York Times bestselling book, now available in paperback and audiobook. It includes plenty of stories not in the podcast. This episode of Mobituaries was produced by Zoe Marcus. Our team of producers also includes Aaron Schrank, Wilco Martinez-Cachero, and me, Mo Rocca. It was edited by Maura Walls and engineered by Josh Hahn, with fact-checking by Catherine Muhan. Our production company is Neon Hum Media. Our archival producer is Jamie Benson. Our theme music is written by Daniel Hart. Indispensable support from Craig Swagler, Dustin Gervais, Alan Pang, Reggie Bazile, and everyone at CBS News Radio. The irrefutable Aaron Schrank is our senior producer. Executive producers for Mobituaries include Steve Razies and Moraka. The series is created by yours truly. And as always, undying thanks to Rand Morrison and John Carp for helping breathe life into Mobituaries. Discover a career that matters at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Be part of an innovative team delivering world-class health care and benefits to America's veterans. Enjoy robust benefits, work-life balance, and career development opportunities. Join a diverse and inclusive community that values your unique background and skills, a community where nearly one in three of your colleagues are veterans themselves. Apply now at vacareers.va.gov. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.